0: Hello. Hello. My name is Yenigo Montoya. Hello. Hello. Hello, good to see everybody today. Why don't you just celebrate with me? God did such great things in our midst already. You know, I, I really love hearing from Scott and Mandy Pulliam. Uh, you know, uh, for some of you, you've, you're relatively new with us at Centerpoint, but you might not know that it was just a few years ago that Scott was one of the kids in our, in our youth group. I mean, he was, he was raised up here, you know, and then he was a young adult volunteering, playing drums uh, in our worship team. And then there was this call of God on his life. And we got to, as a church, commission and send off Scott and Mandy to go to Mozambique. And I want you to know what a treasure it is that we get to do that. And, and they're heading back to Mozambique in just a couple of weeks. And I want them to go back hearts full of love, knowing that they've got a church body that loves them. And so I would ask you to pray for them and then and maybe head out to the Connection Center after service and bless them. And by bless them, what I mean is give them money, I really mean that, you know? I mean, they got to go back fully stocked and have everything they need and... You know what, maybe there's not too many restaurants to go out for a date night in in the village in Mozambique where they're going to be. But maybe we could send them out on a few date nights here before they go. And if you would just personally just bless them before they leave and make sure that they know that you're praying for them. What a gift they are. It's such a privilege to have ones like that in our midst. If you're here for the first time, my name's John. I'm lead pastor here and I'm glad that you're our guest. And this is part four of this series called "Hello," and in this series, what we're doing is we're saying hello to a new way of living. And today, we're saying hello rest. So I want us to say hello rest together today. And so I want to begin by asking you to just use your imagination for a second and imagine uh, imagine the 1800s in England. Like whatever comes to your imagination, you hear 1800s, England, that'll do, that's good. So in the 1800s in England, there were all of these sailors going out on merchant ships and there was this problem that there were hundreds and some years thousands of sailors that were dying lost at sea and the reason was because there were all of these shady shipping companies that just loaded the cargo ships and the merchant ships down with as much as they could possibly cram onto the ship and uh, if that ship hit any wind or any high seas it just would capsize and the crew would be lost and, and there was one guy Uh, that uh, it was named sam plimsoll and he saw this problem and it stirred him up he had family members and friends that had lost loved ones at sea and so he said i'm going to do something about this guy wrote a whole book about the problem of sailors dying at sea and distributed it to every member of parliament he could find and the parliament of great britain read his book and then in 1876 long story short They implemented a solution and made it a legal requirement that every ship had to have a line on it like this, a line all around the hull. It was called the plimsoll line. Everyone say, the plimsoll line. Yeah, you're you're wondering, what does this have to do with anything? I'll tell you, we're going to get there. But anyway, all the ships had to have a plimsoll line on it. And and it was required from that uh, moment forward. And here's how it works. You know, it's kind of hard in 1800s England to put a scale underneath a cargo ship. But what you could do is have a plimsoll line. And the way it works is the deckhands would start loading up the cargo onto the ships. And as they did, the boat would sink down and sink down until it reached a point where that line would be right at the level of the water. And then the deckhands knew, that's it, ship's full, we're all done, anymore, it would make it dangerous for the guys on the ship. And it saved people's lives. And it was so simple, right? I mean, it's basic Archimedes principle stuff from eighth grade science class. But Plimsoll knew that a straightforward solution was needed for a straightforward problem. And the straightforward problem was ships have limits to how much they can carry. And so do you and me. We've got limits to how much we can carry. And we're made to carry We're made to carry and and do something in this world and make an impact and leave our mark, make something happen. Yes, we are, but we do have limits to how much we can carry. And we are made to recognize that. And so what I want to do now is I want to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to spend a little bit of time saying, hello, rest. And in this message, I want to share with you four imperatives for real rest. And as you're turning to Matthew 11 or opening up in your Bible app and getting there to Matthew 11, I want you to understand that that this this need for rest is a spiritual need. It's an emotional need. It's a physical need. It's a relational need. It's something that, that God speaks to and is passionate about you and I experiencing. We need to be able to say hello to a new way of living, and the reason is because a lot of us are stuck in an old way of living where we're loading our lives down, and we're filling up the deck of our lives with so much that we're worn out, and so because of that, Jesus has something to say, so let's jump into these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I want you to hear this invitation from Jesus again. Just the first part of it in verse 28, and I want you to read it with me off the screen. Ready, all together, go. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus is issuing an invitation to every one of us to say hello to a new way of living and ultimately to say hello to rest. And you've got to know something, that your ability to experience rest is directly tied to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the invitation is to really come and know him. And to know Jesus and to feel the rest that Jesus is able to give. And it's an invitation I hope that we would pay attention to. But I also want you to know, it wasn't just Jesus telling other people that other people ought to come and and rest. It's a way that he lived. How many of you are a follower of Jesus? Show of hands, followers of Jesus? Okay. Then I want to challenge you to follow Jesus into what he modeled, which is living a life centered rested and whole i mean here's what i read in in the beginning of the gospel of luke i mean there's all these people that that need jesus there's all these people with problems and people with sicknesses and people that don't know god's love all of that right and and here's what jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't say, well, there's so many needs. We got to work harder. We got to do more. Come on, everybody. I got to get there. I got to do everything. No. In fact, what you read in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, because of how much there was to do, Jesus did this. It says in Luke five sixteen, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And prayed. Would you read this with me out loud? Ready, go. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is Jesus saying, right, I'm fully God and fully human. And in my being as fully human, I'm gonna rest. I'm going to withdraw to lonely places. I'm going to hit the trail and get on, on a hike. I'm going to go over and spend some time on the lake. I'm heading out into the desert for a little bit. I'm going to go over where just a couple of my friends like Mary and Martha are hanging out and eat what Mary's, Mar- Martha's cooking. Right? I, I don't know what exactly it looked like, but I know that he valued this lifestyle of rest for himself. And if I'm following Jesus, I probably ought to take his example but, but Jesus also invited his disciples into this rhythm of life. I mean, it's recorded in chapter 6 of Mark. Mark six thirty one. it says, Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves and rest a while to a quiet place. And Jesus said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Jesus looked at the frantic, frenetic pace of the people that were following him and said, oh, no, this isn't sustainable. And hear the words again in verse 31. Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Aren't you grateful that that's the heart of Jesus? That, that sometimes he doesn't, he doesn't always look at us and say, come on, get up, do more, make more happen. Sometimes he just says, hey, Let's get away to a quiet place and rest a while. That's so good, right? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And his invitation is to every single one of us to really live a different way. What's interesting to me is I'm thinking about the fact that Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago. And I think about 2,000 years ago, and I think, man, those were simpler times, weren't they? I mean... There's no electricity. There's no factories, really. I mean, it's, it's people living by circadian rhythms, right, where you get up when the sun comes up, you, you, you go to sleep when the sun goes down and everything stops. Like, you'd think it's simpler times, right? But even in simpler times, Jesus said, yep, but still, I need you to know how valuable rest is. And I think about the times we're living in, and come on, it's not simpler times. It's crazy, times for some of us. I mean, a lot of us, we're we're working 50 hours a week at at our job and our business, and then we're putting on top of that a 15, 20 hours a week of commuting. And then when we get home, we're dealing with things with our kids that they're running at a pace that's more intense than maybe kids have ever run at ever. And even then, we've got everything about our work right there in the palm of our hand, screaming out at us with red dots that say, answer me! (laughs) Do more! I mean, it's crazy. The the kind of pace of of our lives, it can be anyway. And because of that, Jesus says, right, I want you to come to me and rest. And I think Plimsoll had it right to recognize, look, each of these vessels can only carry so much. And you and I are kind of like those vessels. And we need to learn to put some space and to leave some space between our load and our limit. And if you're taking notes, I want you to just write that simple thought down. Leave some room between your load and your limit. For every one of us who wants to make a difference in this world, do great things, make something happen, we've got to learn this lesson, that we've got to learn to leave some room between our load and our limit. The margins matter. The margins matter. Uh, Take yourself back for a second to kindergarten, first grade, right? Your teacher's teaching you how to write. You got a little yellow pencil in your hand and, and the teacher's teaching you how to write and hands out papers to you that you can learn to write letters on. And those papers weren't blank, were they? Those papers had blue lines going across and then there was a Bright pink line down this side and another bright blue line down that side and the teacher said hey 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 no no hey Johnny don't start at the edge of the page maybe it was just me (laughs) start here at the thin pink line and stop at that blue line if you write from one edge of the page to the other the page is gonna look crazy but for some of us we're we're writing on the pages of our life from one edge straight across to the other, and it looks crazy, because it is. I mean, the margins matter. Some of the most beautiful things about life take place in the margins, but if we don't have them, we won't see as many of those beautiful things. And so we've gotta leave some room between our load and our limit, we must do it. We, we, we've gotta choose to do this. And, and I know this matters to God, I know it matters because this idea of resting and and keeping some room between the load and the limit made God's top ten list. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. And God gave it even in the top five. It's the fourth one. In Exodus, it it says this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It's the fourth commandment of the ten. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. The seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest. Everyone say Sabbath day. Sabbath day. The the seventh, that's where that word comes from, the Sabbath day. And and here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to challenge every single one of us to have a Sabbath day. And here's what I mean by that. Choose a 24-hour period And in that 24-hour period, don't do any of whatever your livelihood is. I mean, there's been thousands of pages written about this idea of Sabbath rest. And we could make it a lot more complicated, and and you're free to study that. But why don't you start right there, a a Sabbath. Let there be every week one 24-hour period where whatever it is that you do for your livelihood and to earn money and that's work for you, don't do that. 24 hours. Shut it down. Turn it off. Find one day that you can do this, and instead of that, spend some time enjoying God's presence, praying, worshiping, connecting with your family members, people you love, doing something that just is fun for you, and getting a little bit more rest, eating some really good, healthy food. You know, have a a Sabbath day. I want to challenge you to do this. If you've never had a Sabbath day before, have a Sabbath day. Choose it. Decide when it would work for you. maybe it is a Sunday, but maybe for some of us, we, we got a funky shift going on. it's going to need to change every week, which day it is. But every seven days, you choose to have a Sabbath day. It's about rest and cultivating a, li- a livable, sustainable rhythm of life where you leave some room between your load and your limit. Now, I, I want to share with you four imperatives for that rest and and I want to begin by just thinking about rest when I think about rest I, what first comes into my mind is is a couch come on somebody you know or maybe it's your recliner right but I got a couch where I have a little lever on the side and I pull the lever and boom, oh man that, that's nice that's good but if that's all I ever do to experience rest I'm really not gonna actually be refreshed the way real rest should leave me and so I want to cultivate healthy rest. And, and I think it begins with a decision to, to rejuvenate my body. And, and I would give that to you as number one. Rejuvenate your body. Rejuvenate your body. Your body matters. As human beings, we are body, soul, and spirit. And you've got to take care of all that you are. And your body matters. Your body is a... Re- a reflection in some ways. Even your physicality of your body is a reflection of the image of God, and it is to be taken care of. And so when I think about what my body is, it moves me to take better care of it. The scriptures say, God, in a sense, says, that's mine. That body of yours is mine. Take care of it, would you? And the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? And was given to you by God you do not belong to yourself for God bought you at a high price so you read this last part out loud with me ready go must honor God with your body you must honor God with your body that's the scriptures so what it would look like to honor God with your body I think for a lot of us number one we got to address the fact that we're probably eating a bunch of garbage and that's got to change I mean if you're gonna do this If you're gonna do this, you gotta take care of what you're putting into your body. For most of us, what that looks like, and I really do mean this, It means a whole lot less processed foods, a whole lot less refined sugar, and a whole lot more vegetables and fruits. I mean, just start right there, you know? Like for example, this morning I got up early and and I had some time, so I sliced up some zucchini, I sliced up some squash, I cut some avocado, I made some nice scrambled eggs and sauteed the squash and zucchini. I mean, because I can't do this on a donut, come on. You know what? You got to do it in a way that's going to work, right? And I feel good because I put good into me. And I think all of us, we need to take another step in that direction. If you don't know how this works, join our healthy and free class that starts in a couple weeks. It will teach you to help. It's a, just a first step on a journey that all of us need to be on. A second part of that, taking care of the temple, the physical body, would be to get physical exercise. And to whatever degree we can, put it into our rhythm of life. And, and maybe for some of us, that might even just look like, from where we are, we're all at a different place, right? But for some of us, it might look like, hey, a, a slow walk around the block would be a step in the right direction. If that's what you can do, do that. For others of us, it would look like joining a gym, maybe even getting a trainer and saying, this matters. I got to take care of this. Uh, if I've got 70 or 80 years on this planet, I want to be able to live them with all I've got. And taking care of the temple is part of how that's going to happen. So for somebody, it's time. It's n- it can't just be about the click, boom. That, that's not enough. you got to rejuvenate your body if you really want to rest. And the second thing that we need to do is to recharge emotionally. Recharge emotionally. Emotions are funny. They, they happen inside of our physical body. You ever hear the expression, you know what, I just have this gut feeling about that. When, when people use that expression, they don't know how much truth they're talking. Because what, what's, what's interesting is that inside of you, there's a physical apparatus Called the vagus nerve. Comes from the word vagabond, also called the vagus nerve, but that confuses people and thinks I'm telling them to gamble. It's not about that. (laughs) Anyway, so the vagus nerve, it it goes from the the, the brain stem and then it wanders all throughout your body and it, it touches almost all of your organs and glands. And this one thing inside of you that's God's design, it stimulates the The production of acetylcholine that makes sure that your muscles are able to be excited and do their job, especially muscles like your heart. It is involved with stimulating serotonin and regulating the levels of serotonin, which is that that thing inside of you that allows you to feel stable and positive. It it is involved in the the production and, and the release of oxytocin, which is that thing inside of you that allows you to feel warmth and positive connection and love with people and I could go on and on right but this is part of God's design inside of us and if I tell you to recharge emotionally I'm in a sense saying could you take care of your vagus nerve and 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 you're maybe wondering how in the world do I do that I'll tell you exactly how here's how you recharge emotionally and take care of the vagus nerve you sing a song you paint a picture you write a poem You get out into the woods and take a walk where you can see the color green in nature for a few minutes you kick off your shoes and wander around in some grass you hang out with a couple of those close friends that you know they love you and you love them and it feels good to be with them i mean i could go on and on but these are the things that we really have to do to recharge emotionally even from a scientific perspective to take care of the vagus nerve that's inside of you. I, I find this in God's word, right? Psalm 23, it says it like this. It says, the Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. I love that. He... he He lets me rest in green meadows. I also like the way the King James puts it. It says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, right? (laughs) He makes it. He's like, you lie down right now in the grass, you know? But why would God do that? Well, because he created us and he knows, well, I I put a vagus nerve inside of you and it needs to get restored right now. So green grass for you right now. Yeah, it's God's design. I mean, people now are all getting into this whole thing called grounding, you know? God's like, Psh, I came up with that. That was my idea, <laughs> right? We, but we are made for this, a recharge emotionally that comes from some of the things I just described. And it might be one of the most spiritual things any of us could do. It's to recharge emotionally by some of the things I just mentioned, and it's different for each one of us. But the scriptures say this in Psalm 127, verse 2. It says, it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God, say it with me, gives rest to his loved ones. And that rest is about some of the things I just described. So what's that hobby that you used to do a long time ago, and you just kind of quit? Because there's so much to watch on Netflix. (laughs) It might be time to reach back and start doing that again. As a matter of getting real rest. God gives rest to his loves loved ones, but we have to cooperate with his ideas about what that rest could look like. Now, first Timothy four says this: It says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come godliness has value for all things godliness is a weird word you know it, it doesn't have an immediately clear meaning but at the at the heart of it godliness is about being people who who are paying attention to who god is and letting our hearts sync up more with who god is and learning to walk more in the ways of god and and to do that We've got to make some time to to have our eyes on him. And so the third way to cultivate real rest I want you to know about and live out is to refocus spiritually. Refocus spiritually. This is incredibly important because there is for so many of us, probably all of us, a, a pull, kind of a drift and it's because there's something that the scripture calls the God of this age. And the God of this age, that's not our Heavenly Father who loves us with an everlasting love and forgives us through Jesus. It's something different. The God of this age is really the forces of darkness, the forces of the devil. And the God of this age it has this ability to cause us to be drawn into the things of this world, drawn into the things of this world. How much more can I get? How much more can I do? How much can I achieve? And there's a place for all of that. But we get mesmerized by it to the degree that it completely eclipses our view and it pulls us into a vortex that's difficult to get out of. But the way you get out of it is this, you refocus spiritually. We, we get our eyes on our God. I love that we started out this service today singing, Oh, I look to the sun, set my eyes on our Savior. That's such a good thing to do. I thought maybe somebody would say amen. Did nobody <laughs> like that song? You leave me hanging like that, church? Come on, that's wrong. Anyway, I love what the scripture says in Psalm 16. It says, actually, why don't you read this out loud with me? Read this with me out loud, all together. Ready, go. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Wow. When you spiritually refocus, these things happen. I mean, go back to verse 8 with me. It says, I have set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. When I set the Lord always before me, when I get my eyes on my God and his goodness, his grace, his love for me, man, something happens. That shakiness, the, the anxiety, the concern, the fear, it diminishes. Why? Because I'm, I'm fixing my heart on love himself. And that, just, that love just melts that stuff. And so, when I spiritually refocus, I, I, I'm not shaken. And not only that, but it, my heart is glad. The next verse, please. It says, My heart is glad. Where before, when I was just looking at everything of this world, my heart got all stirred up and tied up in knots and frustrated and angry and concerned, right? But when I spiritually refocus on my Heavenly Father, His goodness to me, my heart becomes glad because I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm cared for. I know that I'm carried. Mm. Yeah. And my, my tongue rejoices. And when all I was doing was looking into the things of this world, my tongue was saying, I'm so angry about that. I'm criticizing them. I'm critical of that. I condemn this. You know, all those things that aren't exactly all that life-giving. But when I set the Lord before me, when I refocus spiritually, yeah, my tongue rejoices. My, I'm saying good things. I'm saying Life. I'm saying what is good and positive, and it refreshes me and the people who are listening to me. And my body will rest secure. There's just something about a spiritual refocus on the goodness of my God God, that even affects my physical being. My body will rest secure. Refocus spiritually. It's a must. It's got to be a part of your rhythm of rest. And then number four, reconnect with people you love. Reconnect with people you love. I, it seems so obvious, right? It seems like this should just kind of go without saying, but here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that there's this drift towards disconnect. I mean, here we are, we got people around us, some of them are our wife or husband or parents or kids or grandparents or grandkids and you know, cousins, like those ones, the built-in ones, right? People that we love and that love us, and yet we kind of opt for, well, I got to do this, I got to put that on the calendar, I got to do more of this, and, and, and the disconnect happens, but to really rest, your heart is crying out for the real connection with the people that love you and that you can love, so make the time for it. For some of us, it's that friend or two that you need that 30 minutes to get on the phone with them and just hear their voice, call them, they live in Maine, call them, you know, We've got to choose to reconnect with the people we love. Sometimes it looks like recognizing there's been strife, and it's time to reconcile. You know, I, as a as a parent, I I'm in that unique phase where uh, with two teenage kids and one that's almost there, it's not always sunshine and roses in in my house. Surprise, surprise. And when the, when those things happen, when some of those eruptions happen, there's something inside of me. I just want to close the door and just. Whatever, be done with it, but then the spirit of God prompts me, mm, you no, know, fight for connection, push through and and so we'll sit down and talk for an hour and a half with whichever one there's a thing going on and and I don't always love that because from a dad's perspective, you know how it goes. You kind of know like you already know, but you have to listen, and it doesn't solve all the problems, but what it does do is, by the end of it, comes to a place of saying, well, we're connected again. And, and then I can relax. Then I can rest. Reconnect with the people you love. It's part of what we're made for. You know, Someone, uh, sorry, Pro- Proverbs 27 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another, build each other up. There's got to be... A connection where those things can happen so we choose it as a matter of resting well so I started out with plimsoll I want to end with plimsoll so back to those ships again right those ships had that line painted around the hull and next time you're at a harbor look you'll see them right but but I've I've seen other markings too on the boats like they they have these other little hieroglyphic type thing and and I wanted to know what is that and does it have anything to do with plimsoll and it does And I learned a thing or two. So I was reading up on this, like, what does that mean? Well, TF stands for Tropical Freshwater. And SF stands for Summer Freshwater. And that's in the freshwater side. And then on the other side of the line is the saltwater. Tropical saltwater seas. And then Summer Saltwater Seas. And then Winter Saltwater Seas. And then Winter in the North Atlantic. That's what's on the ships. What is that all about? Well, it's because captains know Hey, you know the, the tropical fresh water typically easy sailing go ahead pile on the cargo We can carry it, but if you're heading out into the North Atlantic in winter winter, you better not do that you better offload some stuff I said at the beginning of this message you got to draw the line and you do but you got to recognize the season and the sea and There's different seasons different seas that we sail through in this life And sometimes we're sailing through tropical freshwater days where things are great. Things are easy. And and I can, I mean, bring it on. Load the decks up. Sign me up. I'll be at your event. I'll be with you and your thing. And I'll lead that. And I'll be the captain of this. And I'll be the chairperson for that. And I'll be a part of this team and that committee. I'll coach this. I mean, bring it on. Tropical freshwater days, right? But then sometimes we live through some seasons and sail through some seas where it's, Winter in the North Atlantic in our lives. And when we begin to recognize that, we've got to then offload some things. No, I'm not going to be able to coach this. No, I won't be able to do that meeting. No, I can't be the leader of this. And no, I can't even help you with that, and I can't come to this. And people might not understand, get frustrated with you, think you disappointed them. Listen, you're the captain of your vessel. And and you're going to draw the line. Because you're going to you're going to leave some room between your load and your limit so that you can make the best impact with your life for the long haul in a sustainable way where you're living from a rested center because you came to Jesus and you found rest for your soul. I just want to wrap up. With this, I want you to just hear the words of Jesus again. I want you to just for a second right now, just feel his presence, sense his presence, and encounter him. So, just if you could all just stay still with me for a minute. After all, we're talking about rest. And I'm going to invite you to pray. And then I want to read that scripture from Matthew 11 to you again. Uh, But I want to read it from a couple of different paraphrases, just to give it a different flavor and really help our hearts to just take it in deeply. So would you pray with me for a moment? God, I thank you. You just close your eyes, bow your heads for a second. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you care about us so deeply. And that in one service we heard, go into all the world. And at the same service we heard, come to me. I give you rest. I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you would allow rest, real rest, to be an, a, a new way of living for us. So as we pray together, Hear the words of Jesus one more time. This is the Passion Translation. Jesus says, are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please you will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear now stay in this place of prayer what you're doing right now is you're meditating on the Word of God now I just want you to imagine something for a second just imagine Jesus walking up to you right now Jesus walking up to you and reaching out his hand, and he's going to take you by the hand. Just imagine it. Imagine Jesus just taking you by the hand and gesturing. Come on. And he's taking you by the hand, and you're going. And I don't know where he's taking you. Maybe he's taking you right up that trail into the woods. Maybe he's taking you just around this bend over these beautiful sand dunes in the desert. Maybe he's taking you just over... The crest of sand to where the waves are crashing up onto your feet. I don't know where he's taking you, but would you just let Jesus take you by the hand and then listen to his words again. Matthew 11, 28. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Thank you, Jesus, for rest. Would you just together say with me, thank you, Jesus, for rest. Say it. Thank you, Jesus, for rest. God, I pray for all my friends this morning that are here that Lord, this would go beyond Sunday morning, but it would become a way of life for us, that we would come to you, Jesus, at every turn, and deeply breathe in your grace and live from a rested center. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've got to draw the line. You've got to recognize what season you're in, what sea you're sailing on.